0: We both know that we're not very good at predictions, but we're going to make some anyway, because uh, NHL free agency is very, very unpredictable. This year is probably going to be more unpredictable than any other off season. So uh, we're going to give it a shot. And our main topic this week is where we think players are going to land. And we have got some big fish out there. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, We also have another Swede with the last name Carlson signing a long-term deal to stay within the pacific division we also have more trades more signings and a hockey hall of fame class led by a canadian pioneer in women's hockey episode 178 of the lace them up podcast starts right now It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth.
1: I'm Brett Duboff.
0: Before we go any further, as always, we're going to delve into the Hockey Hall of fame book of trivia. Brett, are you ready for this week's question?
1: I am, yes.
0: All right, here we go. Question 63. Brad Marshawn's favorite number. The first Russian-born Hall inductee was honored in which year? Is it A, 1962? B, 1975? C 1985 or D 1989.
1: This is a fitting question considering the Hall of Fame inductions were this week. Um,
0: and a Russian got in.
1: Yeah, and a Russian got in. Um, I have a feeling that, like, it. I, I want to say that it's. It seems like Russians took a while to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame, so I'm gonna say the last one which was 1989 um was the first russian hmm.
0: okay so your guess is 89 d yeah 1962 believe it or not uh the first year um, um apparently the guy who was actually inducted was a uh, named Sweeney Shriner, okay which is the most unrussian name i've ever heard in my life
1: okay because I, I, I guess I was just thinking because like the I knew the Miracle on Ice was a big thing so I was just thinking like oh that was you know that was around when the Russians' reign really got going and all that stuff and yeah okay but I guess there's also the like the 1972 summit series so oh. all right whatever um, all right interesting okay well we have a lot to get into we have a jam packed episode a lot to cover. Um, you guys probably already know, but I I imagine this episode will go more than two hours. So just a pre-warning, even though you already can see from the timestamp um, of how long this episode's going to go.
0: Yeah, and depending on when you hear this, it might be outdated because That's a true. lot of people that are going to sign true. on July first, and we're recording this on the twenty-ninth of June.
1: That is very true as well. Um, so we're gonna so we're gonna cover. So first things we're gonna do is we're gonna cover. Uh, just the big free agents that are available now. Um, and uh, we're going to try to speculate. Uh, I tried to find as much information as I could on a lot of these teams, but or a lot of these players, but um, there wasn't a ton out there. But uh, we're going to try to speculate on uh, where these guys are going to go um, and what we know so far. Uh, so Panarin uh, is the big one. He's the big fish. Um, I mean, sure, Bobrovsky, Duchesne, um are also pretty big as well, but Pavelski, but uh, not as big as Panarin, because uh, a guy like uh, Panarin, who's twenty, uh, he's twenty-seven years old, about to be twenty-eight. Um, he had eighty-seven points last year. He's one of the best left wingers in the in the league, if not the best left winger in the league. Um, he uh, he's going to be available in the open market, uh, supposedly. So what we do know is that Panarin um, has met with the Rangers, the Islanders, and the uh, Florida Panthers. Um, There's supposedly another team that could be in the mix, although it's unclear which team that is. Um, There's also like some, a report that his ask is uh, 12.5 million. Uh, which which would be the equivalent to what McDavid is making, which is kind of absurd. Um, and then supposedly the offer from the Rangers uh, to Panarin is $11.25 million for seven years. Uh, Panarin had 87 points last year, or, you know, in the 2018-2019 season. Uh, he's never had more. He's every In the four years that he's been in the league, He's had more than 70 points um, his his uh, worst year was in 2016 2017 when he had uh, 74 points in 82 games so that's that just shows you how good he is is that his worst season was when he had 74 points um, in 82 games no less um, so the um, the uh, so it's an interesting thing because I don't think he's worth eleven million. Even uh, twelve million is a little bit absurd. Obviously, that would make him the highest-paid winger um, in the league if if that were the case. Um, yeah, yeah, he,
0: he's asking for McDavid money,
1: basically. Yeah, and so I don't think he's worth that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say that he's worth eleven million. Um, I was thinking like ten million, maybe nine million is reasonable for someone like him. Um, yeah, but like uh, Patrick Kane's making 10.5 million. Um, so I, I feel like it, it's the equivalent of that um, in this case. Um, it is interesting though that like the Rangers are the the, the front runner for, for getting Panarin uh, just because like the Rangers have been notoriously for the last two years been in this rebuild mode. And it would be such a Rangers move to like get this, get Panarin when they're like supposedly rebuilding. So, it's like, um, if he does go to the Rangers, it would probably help them. Same for Florida, obviously. But, um, you know, Florida has so many wingers as well that it's kind of hard to keep track on that on that front. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on all this?
0: Well, I like you said, there's a lot of interesting things about his future. Um, I, I have heard rumblings that Colorado might show interest mm-hmm. and they certainly have the cap space to do it. And maybe that's why it's rumblings because Colorado, if yeah. you take a look at their cap friendly page, like they, they have like between 35 to 40 million of cap space to work with. So
1: yeah, they have a lot they, of money.
0: They, they definitely have a lot of money to spend. I think they have the most money to spend. Other they do. Other than, yeah. Know, Ottawa.
1: They have like, Ottawa apparent market. auto. Yeah. They have more to spend than Ottawa. By a um, large I, margin, it, even.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably either going to be Broadway or Sunshine, because I don't know if the Rocky Men's are really Panarin's thing. Yep. Um, so Isles, Rangers, Panthers, they all make sense. Um, I think it's going to come down to those three teams at the end of the day. Um, it, it's interesting with the Islanders and Rangers, because Lou Amorello has done a great job of assembling that roster. Barry Trotz has done a good job of coaching that team. They need more offense, and Panarin most definitely provides that. I think, as a matter of fact, he's the all-star power that fills the void that Tavares left behind when he joined the Leafs last July. Uh, for the Rangers, they definitely have a bright future. We all know how talented Capo Caco is, how much hype he brings right away. Uh, you have Pratsov down the middle, along with Savannah Chad. The defense is looking a bit better, too. I think Florida's got the edge because Panarin will have very little to adjust to. And I say that because Coach Quenville knows what makes him tick. He coached him back in Chicago. Uh, Florida's got a deadly top six that's very underrated. Barkov almost had 100 points last year. Hoffman, in general, can score you 25 to 30 goals a season. Huberdeau can be a dynamic player as well. And if Bobrovsky joins Panarin, they are that much better of a team. They just in general have more to work with than what the islanders do and what the rangers do and i also pick him because it seems like every move they have done from the trade deadline onwards makes it seem like they are preparing to make a big splash and they want both of those guys to be a part of it um i think around kucherov money is what i'm hoping to sign him for if i was a gm at 9.5 to 10 million around that range but um i think it's probably going to go over 10 million dollars i don't know if he's worth mcdavid money but if there's a team that's willing to pay him and panarin and panarin thinks it's a good deal you know why take it you know, or, or why refuse taking that? You know, the, the team's stupid enough to offer you that kind of money. Right. Right.
1: I mean, the thing that Panarin has always said uh, since like since last year, even he was saying that he wants to go to a team that's by the body of water or yep. in a big and he wants to go to a big city. So there's nothing that's like New York. If you want a a, a big city. And a uh, city that's nearby a water, you you can't do better than uh, New York. So um, I guess maybe LA, but I guess the, I don't think there's a body of water in LA. Um, anyways, but uh, uh, yeah, I think if if the Rangers like it would be interesting if the Rangers get him because they already have a good thing going with all the prospects they have there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, plus. Like Sabanajad and um, and all those guys, but and Kreider. They also have to. But,
0: they also have to find money to sign Jacob Truba, who's yeah. probably going to be asking for upwards of seven
1: million per too. That's true too. Yeah. So it would be like a an interesting dynamic if they were to get Panarin. But I think you're right, though. I think like the the team that makes the most sense is Florida. Um, but um, at the same time, like you know, he Barkov. Panarin, uh, Hoffman, of course, um, you know, Trochek who should be healthy now. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, Dadunov, who's a, another fellow Russian there, right, as well yep. as coach, uh, coach Quenville who coached him in Chicago, but is the, uh, most likely going to be in Florida that may, seems to make the most sense there, but like, uh so all signs point to Panarin going to Florida but um I don't know I wouldn't count out the Rangers just yet it would be such a rangers move to like to get like a, the biggest uh, free agent on the market um <clears throat> even when they're like they don't necessarily need him um the uh I have a a list of I mean we can wait till this but I have a list of teams that Need wingers. I didn't really take into account what uh, their cap situation. So some of these teams uh, may not even be able to afford Panarin. This is more towards um, like when we get to Joe Pavelski and Anders Lee. But um, so Mm -hmm. I have the Avalanche. Um, We just talked about them. They also need to sign uh, Mika Rantanen. So that's another Mm -hmm. wrinkle in that. Uh, Dallas, uh, L.A., Boston, uh, New Jersey, uh, the Islanders, Columbus, Minnesota, Vancouver, and the Rangers. Um, so, so those are my team, my l- t- list of teams that knee wingers are not worrying about, um, their, their cap space, um, issues there. Um, I don't know if any of them stand out. I'll ask that later. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think
0: it's pretty safe to assume that Panarin's not going back to Columbus,
1: right? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty safe to assume that, too. Um, but, you know, it, Columbus is an interesting team, too, because they're going to be losing, like, to Pavelski, and Panarin, and now it's just like, well, maybe they're going to be in on Pavelski or Lee uh, just so that they can save some face or something like that. Yeah. But, um. Teams that need, uh, all, right, all right, let's go to Bobrovsky, uh, Panarin's teammate, speaking of the Blue Jackets. Um, the, the biggest rumor is that, especially since uh, Roberto Luongo uh, announces retirement, the biggest rumor, it's like the worst kept secret in the league right now is that Bobrovsky is going to Florida. Doesn't even really seem like there's another team that's even considering Bobrovsky. I guess there's like Carolina, you could say. Uh, The Islanders would like him just because, you know, with if Robin Leonard doesn't work out. But um, those are like the three big teams that might need a goaltender um, and they're still competing. Um, It would be interesting, but I'm pretty sure that he's going to Florida. Um, It just seems to make the most sense to me. Um, you know, with Coach Quenville, especially with Coach Quenville there, uh, they're a pretty good team too. Like, they they just battled a lot of injuries last year um, with Trocek being, uh, specifically uh, Trocek, um being out. And so if they can add, like, and their biggest issue has always been their goaltending for the last couple of years. It's like, Luongo was decent and so was Reimer, but they kept on getting injured. So, Bobrovsky, um, uh, so adding uh, Vezina, caliber Bobrovsky into the mix uh, would be like the equivalent of what Jordan Binnington did in St. Louis. And um, so I think if they get a Goldie, then Florida might be the team to watch. Even if the Florida doesn't get Panarin, um, if they get B- Bobrovsky, I feel like they're, they're going to be um, a force this season.
0: Yeah, that yeah, like I said, Florida's going to be a very interesting team to watch. I mean, they have they have four depth that's that goes without saying and and when you look at uh, what Probraski did in his very first season with the Blue Jackets before they were this good, before they got, you know, Artemi Panarin uh, to bolster their offense before Cam Atkinson evolved into the 30-goal scorer he is now. The columbus blue jackets really didn't have much and Bobrovsky put that team on his back and they almost made the playoffs and he won the best in a trophy in his first season so he has got the talent himself to take whatever team he plays for to the next level when he's on his game he can absolutely be a difference maker uh if he doesn't sign in florida because the the panthers in my mind are instantly <clears throat> a stanley cup playoff threat if Bobrovsky joins um if he doesn't sign in Florida, and I'm going to mention this team a lot because they have a lot of cap space, Colorado Avalanche, mm-hmm. um, have the talent to make this work. And the idea of putting Bobrovsky and Grubauer as a goaltending tandem is really intriguing. So I could see Colorado as maybe a second option, maybe even the Islanders if uh, things don't work out well uh, with Robin Leonard. But, uh, I yeah, I think we can agree. Front runner again is Florida for Bobrovsky.
1: Yeah, I don't even think there's other teams that are even close. I guess – so I did have a list of goalies, which we'll get into with Robin Leonard too, but Florida is the main one just because of Robin Leonard, and who knows what's going to gonna happen with James Reimer. He seems to be a wild card in all this. Um, so Yeah,
0: the, the word is they're either going to trade or buy out Reimer.
1: Yeah. So, so
0: I, I think his, his fate has already been sealed in Florida.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, I have uh, New Jersey, which would be kind of interesting because, you know, who knows with Corey Schneider, they also have a lot of cap room to make a move like this. Uh, The Islanders, especially if uh, Leonard goes somewhere else, Carolina would be the most interesting team um, just because they're kind of like Florida in ways that they just need that goalie. They have a good squad otherwise. Uh, Buffalo... Um, would be interesting. I, of course, I'm gonna beat the the Martin Jones is bad drum here. Um, San Jose could be here. I don't think they have enough cap space though. Um, and then Chicago as well for teams that need a goalie. Um, I think Chicago is a, a little similar situation uh, where I like they could be on. They're on the rise, but they're they may be a couple years away.
0: The thing is with Martin Jones, and I believe I mentioned this to you uh, in the previous episode. Um, I believe he has a three-team trade clause. Uh. So if they were to try to move Martin Jones, don't expect a grade A return for him because yeah. their options are already limited, along with his.
1: And they don't have a ton of cap space, table. anyways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess they could like they would have to make a like a couple of cap. Dump moves, maybe, but um mm-hmm.
0: and they and again they still have to resign LeBanc and and right, Timo Meyer, do, Yeah, and y- if if there's a slight chance they keep Pavelski, there's no way they take Bobrovsky.
1: Right. Yeah. No, that's fair. I I was just saying that there's, um, yeah, they're kind of in a cap hit. Yeah, there, south-
0: there's no question their their goaltending should be put in question. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Be. So I, I just threw them up there even though I like yeah. like I mentioned they're 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 cap strapped anyway so there's yeah. they're not likely to do much. They're
0: they're way they're uh, way down the list
1: Yeah, they have other things to worry about right now. Um let's go to uh Robin Lerner. Um oh I forgot to mention Bert Bobrovsky's stats, but we we know that he's a good player. Uh,
0: yeah, when when on his game of Esna caliber yeah. bowling.
1: The thing with Bobrovsky though that's interesting though is that he really got going when he was on Columbus and like his first team in Philadelphia, he was terrible. So it does make you wonder if like, maybe it's like, if Columbus, the situation in Columbus is like, if it's just a Columbus thing or if it's just a, you know, like maybe Bobrovsky won't be as good if he's on another team, so that's like something to watch out for him. Uh, the same can definitely be said for this next guy that we're talking about, Robin Leonard. Uh, he had a career year this year um, in for the Islanders. Uh, you know, he uh, he also has a Masterton. Uh, he went uh, 25, 13, and five. Um, his save percentage is nine. Was a 9.30. His GAA was a 2.13. Which is insane. Of course, he only played forty six games. Um, as well, I think there was a report that uh, he really wants to stay on the Islanders. However, there was talks that like they're kind of fa- Lamarillo and Leonard are kind of far apart um, in contract negotiations. So um, that may not be a thing. Um, so, so I feel like uh, wherever. Robin Leonard goes, like, there's a lot of risk involved with Robin Leonard. Um, obviously, last season was great, but I the, the big question is is if he can keep, be consistent. Um, what's also worrisome is, is he only played, like, 46 games last year. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's like, can he be the guy? Um, can he be, like, a, a guy who can play 60 games plus um, in a season and and be somewhat sustainable like even at a 920 save percentage that that would be pretty good for them so um I don't know like he's an he's one of the more interesting free agents out there because because of his great season this year we're not sure if this is just a fluke season or if it's like or if he's actually just that good and he was just in a like a bad place in Buffalo in Ottawa um of course Um, I remember like two years ago um, when he was in Buffalo, he had a 9.20 save percentage and his uh, GAA was 2.68. And, or or his first year in Buffalo was a 9.24 save percentage and a 2.47 GAA. So his like, his save percentage and his GAA were there. The thing is, is that like he wasn't, good on like he he wasn't winning games for you um so um he well, yeah, he was a, on buffalo. right so he was on buffalo so that's like a that's a thing that you have to consider um for for robin leonard's like he who he, he will like he is that tends to make me believe that he is a good goalie but if you have a bad team ahead of him then he's not going to be like a difference maker like bob rowski could possibly be um, yeah,
0: yeah, and 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 that's why I think the Islanders are a good fit in so many ways. First of all, uh-huh. he stopped talking with other teams because he wanted to focus on re-signing with the Islanders. He loves it there. He loves mm-hmm. the team. He wants to remain an Islander for as long as he possibly can. I think maybe Lou is scared on the term, and and that's the thing I'm concerned about. With is is the term maybe a bit on the dollar side, but mostly term. Um, I think for his long-term success, he needs to be in the right system to thrive. Like Brian Elliott, he in in Ottawa and Colorado, like he wasn't in the right system. He goes to St. Louis and he has like multiple, very respectable seasons.
1: Yeah.
0: Under the St. Louis Blues system, and he goes to Philly, and he's maybe average at best. Yep. So I, I definitely think the right system for certain goalies helps and i i think it would be great if he stayed with the Islanders from a personal standpoint from a financial standpoint um i i think it it makes sense for him to stay with the team Uh, for for the short term and the long term i think it's a good marriage there but um it all depends obviously on um where him and lou lamarillo stand if he and If he ends up going elsewhere, and I've heard a report that he's almost certainly playing elsewhere next season, uh, Carolina's not married to the Morassic-McElhinney tandem. I can definitely see them making yeah. a pitch in order to land this guy. If that doesn't work out, if Fabroski for whatever reason, doesn't end up in Florida, maybe Florida takes a run at him. Right. Uh, with Mike Smith on the move in Calgary, maybe he could uh, form a good one-two combo with David oh, Ray That would be
1: interesting, yeah.
0: That, which would be interesting. Um, I definitely think there's going to be an offer of at least $6 million to sign Robin Leonard. I don't know who's going to offer that, but I think there's a team out there that will make that offer.
1: Yeah, uh, I was thinking Carolina would be the most interesting team if if uh, Leonard does not resign. I'd be willing to bet though that Leonard is not going to resign just because it's so close to the deadline and he hasn't been signed yet. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, if, if they're getting this far, I feel like uh, it's just now Leonard's just going to test the free agent market. So I don't even know if, like, $6 million is worth it for Leonard. Like, of course, he had an incredible season, but I'd just be worried about if, if he's going to be the same goalie we expect, because there's so many red flags here uh, for him. Um, but yeah, Carolina seems to be Desperate for a goalie, so this would be the best situation if he were to go to another team. Um, I hadn't even thought of Calgary; that would be another interesting team to go to as well for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because both Carolina and Calgary have the defense, they have the forward group. Um, it's just they need the goaltending, and um, and once they have that, then they'll be they'll be pretty solid. So if they can get if they can take a chance on Robin Leonard. Um, then they they should be in good shape, but um it yeah. might be and, and
0: maybe maybe Colorado gets thrown into the oh, next like Colorado Colorado can sign anyone the hell they want.
1: Like yeah, they they it. have
0: got loads of options.
1: But the thing with Colorado is they first they have to sign Ranton and that should be their top Priority. Well,
0: absolutely Um, for sure they should they should focus their efforts on that. But even then, they got over thirty million in cap space.
1: True, true. Uh, But the thing with also with uh, especially for the goaltending situation is like, Philip. They have Philip Grubauer who actually had a decent season and especially in the playoffs. So I feel like they should just run with Grubauer. But you you're right. You can't have to like you can't always be sure. Uh, with uh, with goaltending, so maybe... They, they
0: could run with a change. 1A, 1B goaltending system yeah, like they, they were at, in Long Island with Grayson Leonard.
1: Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, I think you could do that for a lot of these teams, too, That like like a, a contending team that needs a goaltender um, or just needs a, a 1B goaltender in the mix, then maybe you do that um, or something like that, but... Um, yeah.
0: yeah, it would it would look a bit weird though if they sign Leonard to six million per year and just say, okay, you're in a one a one b goal. Right,
1: right. Yeah, that would be the yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess so that's in
0: that fair. in that sense, it'd be weird. But
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm just thinking of like what the Bruins did with uh, Tuka Rask, where they yeah. got a guy like Halleck um, on a cheaper deal, and you know Halleck played half the season, and he give rest to your main starter um, or you just give less games to your main guy in ter- mm-hmm. and then Rask was amazing in the playoffs. So it, it seemed yeah. to work out for them. So I, I would be curious to see if other teams take that stra- that same strategy. Uh, the Capitals did it a year two years ago with Holtby too. So um, I feel like more teams are gonna be doing that strategy. Um, but yeah, you're right. In terms of like cost, it wouldn't make sense. Um, teams that need wingers. Uh, let's go. Oh, actually, let's go to the next one, Matt Duchene. Um, it seems like this is a two-team race with him. Uh, he had meetings with. Um, we had he had meetings with uh, both Montreal and Nashville. Uh, the biggest rumor was that he was going to Nashville after they made that PK Subban trade because they they're saving room to do that. But even if they don't get uh, if they don't get Matt Duchesne, they're probably going to use that money to uh, re re up on Roman Yossi because uh, yeah. he needs a new contract soon too. Um, but um, yeah, uh, so the big the big news for Matt Shane is that he's probably going to Nashville um, he had a career year this year as well um, on both Ottawa and Columbus he had 70 points in 73 games um, he had a pretty uh, he had a decent uh, playoff run as well um, He's al- he also has the benefit of like the next best center is like um, I don't even know who the next best center is because I don't think you would count uh, I guess Jason Spezza is the next best center because uh, Pavelski is a winger now. He used to play center. Um, yeah, it seems like the next best center probably is Spezza, um, maybe Pavelski, if, but he's more of a right winger now. Joe Thornton. Anyways, the point is is that uh, Duchene has the benefit that he's going to get paid because he's he's world Like he's a level up. Uh, from all the other centers that are available on the market Uh, so any team that needs a center will probably pay a a premium on Matt shane just because of that fact um however said that he's uh he's 28 years old um he he just had 70 points in 73 games uh he had a he had 58 points in 50 games on on an ottawa team that was the worst in the league so that That says something that he's at least decent, even on a bad team. Um, So, you know, there is some risk involved because this was his best season by far, but at the same time, he could be worth the risk just because, um, you know, centers like him don't go on the market that often.
0: Yeah, and if there's one thing you know about Montreal, they've been dying to get a number one center for years. Montreal's another interesting team, yeah yeah and and the last time they they tried to get one uh, center wouldn't even talk with them so the thing I they're, will they're, they're, they're making more progress this time I will
1: the, I will say the thing with Montreal though is that they're one of the teams they're the one of the most cap strapped teams yep. in the league so they might not be able to afford him um whereas Nashville could uh, is more likely to afford him
0: yeah i i think the habs are gonna swing for the fences and miss big time because yep. the national predators have the better winning formula uh as as i learned um uh, when Matt shaman is an ottawa senator there's this video i think back in november december january ish of him strolling along to a guitar and singing country music like he was he was like yeah. um, a part of like this karaoke country party or whatever, like post game, and yeah, he can play country. guitar. He can sing. He's a big fan of country. Nashville certainly has a lot of country talent. Yeah, and and they have a really good hockey team that's set on winning for multiple years down the road. Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, who can score thirty goals. Uh, Johansson has been hot and cold at center. Turris hasn't been that guy for them. Um, so it would make sense. To put Matt Shane in a, a first line center position or a second line center position, and maybe that's what gets the Nashville Predators going because, like we mentioned uh, during the PK Subban trade, the power play for Nashville last year was horrendous. Yeah. It was so bad. Um, so, and and you're absolutely right. I think the Subban trade is mainly. Uh, what fueled the fire uh, to get this done, and I think it's ultimately what's going to get it done is uh, the Subban trade to New Jersey. Um, I'm hoping if I'm a GM, it's in the $8 million range per year. It might be more than that, Um, especially considering that the center market is pretty low, Um, and it would be just really weird to see Churis and Duchesne on the same team after both being traded for one another. but. Uh, I think it's gonna happen I think uh, I think this is about a a slam dunk as you can get in this free agent market
1: yeah um yeah I think it'll be interesting too because I'm not sure whatever contract Duchesne gets like I'm not sure if he's gonna be worth that much money Um, I would say like for Matt Duchesne would probably be like eight or nine million um, Mm -hmm. which is reasonable I guess but Um, but I feel like, you know, it may be a little bit too high. Um, it might be an overpayment, um, just because I I don't know if he's necessarily going to be like, that would be like top center money if you're going to pay him that much. Um, and he's, you know, he's more of like a second line center, um, or he, he could benefit more if he's a second line center. Um, so, um... So, yeah, that that's where I'm a little bit unsure of Matt Duchesne if, for next year. Uh, Nashville obviously has uh, the best shot on him. Um, but, like, you know, uh, because then you have Ryan Johansson on one end, Matt Duchesne on another end. Uh, you have decent wingers around. And, of course, you have you still have a pretty uh, nice defensive core, even without P.K. Suman. So that would be a, the best fit for him. But I'm I'm not sure um, if it's worth that much money. Uh, whatever. Yeah, and
0: there. the thing about Duchenne is, I think he's also, in understanding of a business standpoint, that in order for Nashville to like keep most of its score, maybe, maybe taking a pickout would be best. But I I don't think Matt Duchene's in it for the money. I yep. think he just wants to be in a place that's that is committed to him long term, that he can make a good, healthy chunk of money and that he can be on a winning team that's what he wants i think out of everything is is a good culture good environment for his family and a place that wins yep and wins and wins some more so uh, i think he would be willing to take a pick out if it meant he was on a contending team for many years
1: yeah i so i was actually listening to an interview of him on another podcast and he was he was saying that his top priority is making money for his family cuz he just got his Uh, He just had a baby, uh, like, in January, I think, Mm -hmm. Um, and he he was saying that, like, you know, nothing's guaranteed, um, and he wants, he wants to be a part of the core, uh, he wants to be a part of a core of a winning team. Yeah, he doesn't want to be the guy, but he he
0: wants to contribute.
1: He wants to contribute, yeah, so he doesn't want to be like Tavares or like he wants like similar to what Tavares is on obviously on a lower level to that but like still he wants to be a part of the core but still not necessarily uh a big part of it um so I have teams that need centers that I did not consider cap um on here but um I just have a list of teams that might uh that could be interesting if they were to get Matt Duchesne Uh, Nashville, Dallas, uh, Anaheim, uh, Buffalo uh, would be interesting, Winnipeg, Calgary, Montreal I have here, Minnesota. I I, I did put in Colorado as well, but I realized that Matt Duchesne didn't get along with, uh, supposedly, I mean, he did get along with Sakic, but uh, it would be kind of weird if he were to go all the, after all that, um, he were to go back to Colorado. Um, but they do need some centers, um, so, uh, maybe they get a, a, another center of lesser quality, but they still get that with their extra money. Um, let's go to, uh, Joe Pavelski. Um, he supposedly had a meeting with, uh, the, uh, Dallas Stars and the, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, um. As I as I just found out, Pavelski is both a right winger and a center, so he kind of can kind of fill both of that that position as well. Um, he had a a bad season for him this year. Uh, 64 points in 75 games. He's usually in the 70 range or like higher 60 range. Um, so it was a kind of a down year for him, but. Uh, that and he's also like thirty-four years old, so it's he still has some red flags just because of those those two reasons, but he could still be decent on a on a team that needs depth. Um, so particularly Dallas, um, they don't necessarily need Joe Pavelski to be getting seventy points every year, but uh, they could use him on like the second line and um, just. Uh, scoring from time to time and being the defensive guy for them um, so that would be a, a good spot for him Tampa Bay would be also pretty interesting um, he would be he would definitely be the uh, depth guy for them as well I uh, connect uh, would fill in for JT Miller he's better than JT Miller is so that would be an upgrade on that in that regard but um, so Tampa uh, supposedly it's like a two-team race between the Dallas and Tampa um, I'm hoping for Dallas, uh, but um, Tampa would it would definitely be stronger if they, if they do get uh, Joe Pavelski. Yeah, here I'm
0: thinking they trade J T Miller just to save up space for point, and instead, oh yeah, we're thinking about getting Joe Pavelski now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be classic Tampa Bay—just getting someone that they probably can't afford, but you know the heck with it, you know. Right, right. Um, I I think tampa would have to do some more cap juggling if they make this move i just don't see it um dallas seems to be really high on pavelski they actually just bought out Valerie Nichushkin, and his cap uh hit is just under three million um they they already made a minor acquisition that we're going to be talking about later in which it is basically these moves that they're making is basically just to free up cap space to maybe make room for a Joe Pavelski uh, contract. So I can definitely see Dallas closing the deal here. Um, I also heard that uh, San Jose um, beat reporter, Kevin Kurtz was uh, talking with uh, Joe Pavelski's agent and it appears all signs point to him leaving San Jose. So I think we can all uh, guarantee, uh, pretty much guarantee that Joe Pavelski's time as a shark is gonna be done. Uh, and he's going to be looking for a new home um just because of the cap uh, space that the sharks have or don't have i should say um the one thing i have against pavelski is his age and if yeah. that could cause a bit of regression in his offensive stats he's been he's already he's pretty, relatively consistent though i mean he can yeah. get you 60 to 75 points a year he can score 30 goals more often than not, but uh, before he had 38 this year, he had 22 goals in 2017, 18. If you're paying him 6 million per year in his latest deal, even with his goal scoring regression two years ago, he likely gets more than 6 million on the open market. So um, I, I think I, I, I think uh, Pavelski offers a lot and I think he can bring a lot to the Dallas Stars. And if there's one thing that the Dallas Stars need It's scoring outside the top line. They can't continue to rely on Ben and Sagan and Radulov. They can't hope for a guy to have 15 to 20 goals a year and, and carry the secondary weight. They need a premier impact player outside of line one. And Pavelski fits that bill perfectly.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think the Stell stars would be the best fit for him. Um, But um, yeah, we'll see, it would be an interest. he's an interesting guy, I, I agree with you, I think age is gonna be an issue for him, and he's already showing signs of regression anyways, so it would be, um, so I don't know where he goes, but like, on the other end, it's like, you know, he was the captain for the sharks for the past couple of years, um, you know, he can bring other things to the table, but you're right, it, 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 this, this this could be like a David is 2.0 uh, kind of situation if you overpay for him. Um, yeah, and
0: if it, blows up, if it blows up in your face, uh, yeah, it could yeah. be Backus 2.0 for sure.
1: Um, Anders Lee is the next guy I have here. Um, I think this is gonna be the last free agent we're gonna talk about if that's mm. correct, yeah. Um, so I was just looking quickly. Um, It says that Lee has said that he wants to go back to the Islanders, um, and he is in communication with Amarillo. However, he does not have a deal at this point. Um, Lee has been linked with, um, so there's, according to Frank Cervelli, he's been linked with um, the Minnesota Wild, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, All three could be kind of interesting. We've talked about the Colorado Avalanche before. Minnesota, I hadn't really thought about it because I felt like they're, you know, who knows what what's going on in Fenton's head. But um, that would be interesting. Blackhawks would also be kind of interesting because that would be like a move to be like, hey, we're contending right now. Um, Minnesota doesn't seem like, I think Minnesota is very cap strapped as well, I believe. Although they have some money, I guess. Well, um, they they, they did move.
0: Off. Uh, they did move a bit of cap. They moved uh, Coyle to get Donato. Uh, at the deadline, they uh, moved um, Mikhail Granlin to get uh, Kevin Fiala from Nashville. Um, there have been chatter, and we'll talk about this uh, whether it's this podcast. I'm sure down the off season, uh, Jason Zucker's name was thrown around at the deadline. Yeah, maybe we'll it, maybe too. it gets thrown out some more. Um, so they're, they're trying to get younger it goes without saying uh yeah. the, the thing with anders lee though I, again i struggle to think what the hell is minnesota doing like what what is the minnesota wild as a team right like uh, they they go from trading guys like Coyle and Granlund to trying to trade for phil kessel and that deal gets rejected and now they're in the hunt for anders lee um i know that anders lee doesn't have the price tag that guys like Duchenne or the breadman have, yeah, but he's definitely getting six, seven million dollars on the open market. I don't know if that's the right play for the Minnesota Wild. If you if you're just uh, trading away some of your bigger contracts, and and plus you know down the road um, they're probably gonna have to sign a uh, Matt Dumba to a contract. I'm pretty cool. sure his contract. Uh, is, is, is almost up and and he's yeah. been he's been uh evolving his oh no matt Dumba has
1: four more years left at 60 okay minutes.
0: never mind then so they don't have to worry about matt they, Dumba,
1: but yeah uh he, they're they're I, good in that they do have to worry about jared spurgeon who's a ufa okay Knickser. it's
0: spurgeon i was
1: thinking of
0: okay, okay. Um, yeah yeah it, it it boggles the mind what Minnesota is doing uh the colorado stuff sounds about right of, like, they could always use yeah. some secondary scoring there. They have the top line weapons that they need to succeed. Um, regarding Chicago, that's interesting. We're going to talk about it later on, but they might have some cast base now. Down the road, they might be in the same position they were a couple of years ago. I don't know if that's a safe play. Uh, I also hear. I also hear um, the the thought of maybe Buffalo tinkering with the roster, trying to get another piece to complement Skinner and Eichel. Yeah. Um, That might result in moving some pieces, but if Buffalo is trying to add more offensive depth, Anders Lee could be a decent addition. He can get you 20 to 30 goals. Uh, Maybe Carolina or New Jersey off the grid. I feel like Buffalo always
1: gets like the Islanders rejects. You know what I mean? Yeah. Matt Molson, Thomas Vannick come to mind.
0: Uh, yeah, but, yeah, know. that's true, too. Yeah, so I um, guess it makes sense from that angle, too. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm sure if Palmino there's an opportunity to stay with the Islanders and Palmino they get it done, the then Islanders. he's not going
1: anywhere. Yeah, the thing that, like, Inners Lee is 28 years old. He's about to be 29. Um, he did have 40 goals uh, two years ago with Joe, Th- uh, Joe- John Tavares on his line. Um, this year he kind of struggled uh, still, but... Um, He had 51 points in 82 games. Uh, The interesting thing with Anders Lee is, though, is that he's the captain of the Islanders right now. So if he is going to another team, then it's like this is the second year where the Islanders lose out on their captain, Um, which would be uh, pretty interesting. Uh, The thing, though, that worries me about Anders Lee is because when John Tavares left, um, he had a decrease um in points and um in particular his goals so i don't know if that's like if he's he may just be more of a depend like a dependent on his teammates type of player so um obviously it's not like a team like you can't really like build your team around Lee, and i feel like that should affect um his contract negotiations where you know he's more of a supporting cast guy yeah no 100% he's a,
0: he's a supporting cast so, guy i also i also uh, should remind people that Matt Barzell had like 80 plus points um the final year of John Tavares in Long Island and he didn't even get 70 this year
1: right so so, so that's what worries me is that Anders Lee isn't as good as we think he is it's just that John Tavares was so good when he was on the Islanders, that he made everyone else better, um, so that's that's where he kind of um, that that would be another red flag for me on Anders Lee. Having said that, he is a he is still a decent goal scorer. Um, he had, you know, he's he had twenty eight goals last year, um, forty the year before, thirty four the year before that. So, um, if you want like some scoring depth, I think uh, Anders Lee would not be a bad option for in, in that sense. Um, however, you know, it's not like, I don't know. So I feel like it's one of those things that for, he's going to be the guy that teams will look for if one, when they don't get Panarin, when they don't get to when they don't get, um, even Joe Pavelski, you know? So that's, that's where I feel like he's, he's going to stand. Um, uh, just really quickly here um, teams that need defensemen um, we're, we're not gonna go too in-depth on Jake Garner and Tyler Myers because those are the two best defensemen that are out there but they're you know they're Jake Garner and Tyler Myers um, so uh, teams that need defensemen I just wanted to put this out here really quickly uh, Winnipeg, uh, since they don't have Jacob Trouba, um, Neil Pionk is kind of a downgrade, but who knows with him. Uh, they also have Sammy Nico in the system, but can you really rely on him? Um, so maybe they try to get Jake Garner. Um, Minnesota um, is another one, although I guess they're kind of uh, cap-strapped now that I looked at their, their, their roster. Uh, Vancouver, uh, they've, they're supposedly heavily in on Tyler Myers um, like almost too much Uh, I think they're thinking of like 7 million for him uh, which would be way too much Um, Edmonton um, is always on this list because they always need defensemen Um, and Detroit would be kind of interesting if they were to get defensemen but they do kind of need defensemen
0: yeah, I'm, I'm going to go on a bold prediction here. Both Jake Gardner and Tyler Myers are getting over $7 million in free agency wow, per year. Wow. Yeah, that's my bold prediction.
1: Okay. I'm not uh, going to say
0: where, but... I was about to say, will, someone, do you want to be, be bolder? A team that over, there will be a team that overpays to get one of those guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I could see that happening just because... Like, for the similar reasons that, uh, that we can talk about to Shane, it's like... Um, you know, those are the by far the two best defensemen out there. They're still decent defensemen, don't get me wrong, but it's like they're going to be overpaid for sure. Yeah,
0: and I, I'm not going to say that a playoff contender is going to get him. It might be yeah. one of those teams that hopes to be a contender in a couple of years and are like just like, well, Vancouver. yeah, there aren't going to be too many other defensemen that will agree to be traded to here, so maybe these guys in the open market will want to come here. I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Yeah, I think Winnipeg might be interesting, too, because I feel like now that they traded – like, of course, they have Dustin Bufflin, but now that Mm -hmm. they traded Jacob Truba out and Tyler Myers looks like he's not going to be there, it's going to be – it's just, uh, like, what are they going to do with defensemen? So now it's, like, time to worry about what Winnipeg's going to do for defensemen because that's going to be a clear – Thing to look at I mean obviously they their focus should be on uh, keeping Connor and Patrick Line but uh, their defensive issues is kind of uh, is going to be uh, might be lagging for a time um, I could mm-hmm. see that being a, an issue um, let's go to the rapid fire um, William Carlson re-signs uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights um, 8 years 5.9 million annual average value uh, he had a kind of a down year this year. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, it's it's hard to um, get back to what uh, he had early, uh, like last year. Uh, he's still decent though, fifty-six points in eighty-two games, but not as good as seventy-eight points in eighty-two games and forty goals. So, um, so it's kind of more what you can kind of expect. We all knew that he was going to regress. Um, but 56 points isn't that bad. Um, I think it is a little bit of an overpayment, to be honest. But, um, you know, at the same time, if Kevin Hayes is making $7 million, uh, William Carlson at $5.9 it's not too shabby.
0: Yeah, William Carlson's contract is pretty interesting. And I, I took a look at his stats. They're definitely not as sparkling... Uh, as they were in 2017-18, like a 40-goal season yeah. out of nowhere, um, being one of the top scorers on the team, uh, you know, that's that's quite something. Um, but when you look at his stats this year, they were still relatively impressive. There were only four other players in the NHL to score over 20 goals, register 70-plus takeaways, and over 50 blocked shots. And those guys were Alex Barkov of the Florida Panthers, Logan Couture of the San Jose Sharks, Mark Stone with the Sens and Golden Knights, and Mark Scheifele of the Winnipeg Jets. So to be a part of that list, that's pretty good. Um, William Carlson was also second on Vegas in total power play time in each of the last two seasons. Um, He was near the top 50 amongst forwards this year in rush chances in the league. Uh, 45th in slot pass completions. He had 127 of those. Um, Blocked 441 passes, only eight other forwards had more. He was winning a lot of offensive zone puck battles as well, put him in the NHL's top 15 there amongst forwards. He does a lot more than just deliver offense. And I think the guy that can average 18 to 19 minutes per game, 25 to 30 goals, between 170 and 180 shots, and close to 60 points is what you can expect from William Carlson moving forward this is another thing to note as well the emergence of mark stone when mark stone came to vegas at the trade deadline he takes a bit of the defensive pressure off of william carlson because another thing you may not know about william carlson is the fact he was in the top five amongst vegas skaters in total short handed minutes both last year this past year and the year before and when mark stone arrived william carlson was still in the top four stone wasn't even in the top 10 But we get into the playoffs, and we see Stone getting more power play minutes than Carlson. Pacioretty and Paul Stastny were also ahead of William Carlson in points, along with Stone. And the reason why is because Mark Stone, Paul Stastny, and Max Pacioretty were killing it as a line. That line combined for 13 goals and 31 points in that seven-game series against the Sharks. Patcharetti registered 30 shots, the most on the team. Carlson and Stone both had near the same amount of shorthanded minutes in that series. So like I said, Mark Stone was taking the pressure off of William Carlson. So now that you don't have to worry about what line William Carlson is going to be on, when you look at Marchessault and the fact that he's had over like 270 shots um, last year, 268 the year before, um, Riley Smith... Uh, He posted 113 points in his past two seasons. There's a lot to look forward to on this Vegas Golden Knights because you're starting to see where everyone fits in. You're starting to see some consistency. And if that Stasny, Pat and Stone line can continue to be as dominant as they can, that gives more opportunities for the top line to be successful. And I think if that happens, maybe the 40-goal William Carlson comes back next year. But the worst-case scenario, you get a guy that can average 25 to 30 goals, produce 50 to 60 points, and I, I, I think, again, when you look at some of the other contracts that are going to be signed, just under 6000000 million doesn't sound all that bad.
1: Yeah, I guess so. It's like, just considering what the market is right right now, I guess it's not that terrible, but... Um, It still, it seems like a little bit too high, but we'll see. Um, I guess it could be worse. You're right. Um, So the Vegas Golden Knights had, um, because of this deal, they had to, they were over the cap. By the way, the cap is 81.5 million. Um, And uh, they were over the cap. So they had to make a couple of moves to get under the cap. Um, Yeah. And so the two big trades, I feel like they're not done just yet though, but uh, the two big moves though that they've already made is uh, Colin Miller. I call him chiller um, back in his Boston days. He's traded to Buffalo for a 2021 second and a 2022 fifth. Um, This is kind of like, I mean, it wasn't surprised. I think this was a rumor for, for a while now that Colin Miller was not getting along with Gerard Gallant Um, and uh, they kind of chose to go separate ways Um, but you know so he goes to Buffalo Um, he's still you know he's a good all-around defenseman he can put up points when he wants to Uh, he's a big hitter um, and he can block some shots at at times as well so um, he's he's a good player I feel like uh, Buffalo is is kind of um, in good shape in, in the defenseman and um, I wonder if they go to uh, wrist like they maybe uh, they trade wrist align uh, that would be interesting. But anyways, back to Vegas. It's this was more of a cap dump to uh, for Buffalo, and meanwhile Toronto is uh, killing themselves because this would be the exact kind of player that they're looking for.
0: Yeah. So so taking a look at the Colin Miller trade, it's. Yeah, it's it's definitely a cap dump. I mean, second and a fifth is
1: yeah. Not even like this year. It's, yeah, it's two years from now. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, that's 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 pretty interesting um, from Buffalo's perspective because if you take a look at at Colin Miller and you, you look at the right side of Buffalo, there's Ristolainen, uh, there's Brandon Montour, there's Zach Rogoshin who is recovering from surgery and is going to be out for a bit um You already have 15 million or so in cap space if you're Buffalo. If you need to make room for another piece or you sign someone, trade Bagotian's cap hit. It's over right. five million and he's got a year left. But Colin Miller's a guy that low key posted great numbers in Vegas uh in 2017-18. Second on the Golden Knights in hits that year with 165, top five in block shots on the team of 64, over 200 power play minutes that year. 17 of his 41 points were on the power play so he adds to the sabers power play that a few years ago was one of the best in the league but since then it's kind of regressed a little bit um 29 points in 65 games that may look like a regression this year still had fit uh, still had a respectable amount of power play points he had 13 in his second year with vegas um he was used a fair amount less in short-handed situations he had 80 short-handed minutes in 2017-18 not even 40 this past year but he still got over 100 hits and over 60 blocked shots so a guy that can hit a guy that can block shots a guy that can be put on the power play a guy that can put up points that's kind of the defensive depth that buffalo has been looking for and they got it for a second and a fifth that's pretty good for buffalo and for vegas like you said it was just a cap dump. It, it gets them to, um, the salary cap and just makes it easier to keep everyone else.
1: Yeah. I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I kind of, or I, I like Colin Miller a lot. Um, I think he's going to flourish in Buffalo. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like this guy. Um, he's like, he's good. Like he also has pretty good, uh, advanced numbers as well. Um, I feel like I don't, Really like Shea Theodore that much, um, so I feel like Vegas may regret this trade in a couple of years, um, because I feel like Colin Miller might be better than Shea Theodore, um, all all things considered. Um, just uh, from an all-around defenseman, he's obviously not better offensively um, than than him, uh, than Theodore. Uh, and then the other move that the Vegas did to. Uh, dump some cap uh is to carolina um to a guy i kind of forgot about eric holla goes to carolina for nicholas roy and a 2021 conditional fifth um do you remember what the oh the condition is is that vegas receives the 21 fifth round pick if holla is on the hurricanes roster past the 2019 season um or next season and or if carolina trades holla for one of the following a player mu- a player multiple draft picks or a pick a draft pick in rounds one to five if no condition is met no pick will be transferred so i guess uh eric Halla has to be on the team in order for that fifth to count um so uh yeah this one was one of the things where eric hollow was just injured for the for for most of the season i forgot about him to be honest And this could be a kind of a good depth move for um, for Carolina, if assuming that he's 100% healthy. um, You know, he's a good like third or second liner, even um, kind of guy. Uh, Last year he had 29 points, or two years ago he had 29 goals um, and 55 points um, in 76 games. But this year for Vegas in the 15 games he did play, uh, he had seven points in 15 games. So um, if he can stay healthy, and assuming that he like it, that injury didn't ruin his career, uh, that's not a bad pickup for Carolina.
0: It's not a bad pick at all for Carolina for for numerous reasons. So uh, I was taking a look at um, not the injury-riddled stats from last year, but uh, in 2017-18 where he had the twenty nine goals, he had a career high one hundred and seventy five shots. He had twelve goals on twenty six shots on the power play actually tops on the team in power play goals that year. Um, Didn't even average 18 minutes per game. His line mates were James Neal and David Perron that year. Um, Didn't get top line minutes um, in the 15 games he played last year. His average ice time per game went down by 47 seconds compared to the year before. Um, And when you look at, like I said, the chemistry with Stasny and Reddy with Stone, the odds of Walla getting more ice time on the left side didn't look promising if everyone's healthy next year. Probably third-line guy on the left side. Uh, when I look at Carolina's roster on the left side, he could be a better fit uh, where someone like Lucas Walmark resides or someone like Warren Fogle resides. There's also another thing to keep in mind to find Carolina, and that's the Nino Niederreiter effect. Because if you recall nino niederreiter was traded in a very infamous one-on-one with victor rask where victor rask went to minnesota and in hollow's oh, yeah. final three seasons with minnesota he spent most of his time on a line with
1: nino niederreiter, niederreiter. Ah. so
0: that there's that to keep in mind chemistry wise nino got 30 points in 36 games with carolina too um so i think this is a very low risk move uh for uh don waddell and and i think um someone uh that could really help uh, the hurricanes depth wise um as far as what this means for vegas um what i hear from nicholas Waugh, or i think it's roy i think he pronounced it Roy. It's wrong, yeah. um but anyways uh the prospect they got is labeled an aggressive power center who has the ability to dominate on the forecheck um guy who finishes his checks, um, got a nose for the net. Sounds like a guy that could fit in perfectly with Vegas down the road. Yep. He played a big role on Charlotte's uh, run to the Calder Cup title this year. You um, also wonder if this opens up the door for Nikita Gusev if uh, Vegas has a spot for him, too. Yep. So I think down the road, in order for the Golden Knights to have a role for Gusev to fit everyone under the cap, again, this is another cap casualty. The only difference is they got more bang for their buck in this trade. I actually like the return that the Golden Knights got here, but um, I think the real winner is Carolina because they get a guy for under three million that could have top six upside.
1: Yeah, so the thing with Nicholas Roy um, is that he, um, yeah, as you mentioned, he was a big part of the Charlotte Checkers uh, playoff run. 15 points in 19 games in the playoffs, and then he he had a decent um, regular season, uh, mm-hmm. 36 points in 69 games for the Charlotte Checkers in the regular season. Um, so like uh, the thing with Vegas though is that they traded um, Nick Suzuki uh, to Montreal last yeah. last season, and this is the, Nicholas Roy is a center. So this guy could be a good, like, so now Vegas is in need for another center. Of course, they have Cody Glass and all that, but, um. Yeah, you know.
0: I think with Cody Glass, though, they're wise to develop him yeah. more. So if Nicholas Roy gets those minutes ahead of yeah. Cody Glass for a couple more years, I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah, that was my kind of my point, is, like, this could be a way to, like, see what you can, w- what Nicholas Roy can do. Uh, maybe he plays some games in uh, Vegas, um. A couple of games um, in Vegas and see what you have in him, Um, and maybe eventually he can be like a like somewhere across the line that he's like the second line center to cody glass's first line center or something like that but yeah
0: i believe paul we'll stasny see. he's the center right oh yeah yeah
1: paul stasny is the other one, right? yeah he's so got maybe two he'll years be on,
0: so maybe he's got two years left on his All deal right, though fair and enough. so once that deals up who's saying they resign him
1: yeah i guess that's a good point I, I i forgot about paul stasny so maybe nicholas roy could be like the third line center but yeah you're right paul stasny could also be gone, and maybe you move Nicholas Roy up if he's good enough. Yeah. Um, so that could be an interesting move down the line with Vegas, if if of course Nicholas Roy pans out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's go to oh, and Vegas is still technically over the cap at this moment, but yeah. they haven't. Um, they have to put David Clarkson on LTIR, um, so they they're just under it if they. During the season, if they do that, so I guess um, they'll. I think they have to do one more move then, because I think um, any player that's not that was on the LTIR, like it still counts towards your the cap. So maybe Mm -hmm. they have to make another move to to be able to afford all this stuff. So I don't know. Um, Anyways, uh, they may not be done. Um, Luongo, Roberto Luongo officially retires. This had been kind of going on for the last couple um, of months. Um, it was reported, uh, like, I think in March, we even talked about it a bit. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is kind of sad. He, um, I think both uh, Dale Talon and Luongo were both saying like, okay, they kind of both agree that um, it just, you know, he is not the same anymore and they were just gonna part ways. And, Luongo uh, is retiring. He's, I think, he's going to stay in Parkland. He was a big part of the aftermath of that Parkland shooting. He, uh, he had the yeah, big. Yeah, my Douglas High
0: School.
1: And yep. so he he wants to continue to live there and help out the community there. So that's nice for him. Um, my feelings toward Roberto Luongo changed since he got Twitter. I used to hate him so much, especially in that twenty uh, World Stanley Cup final. But then once he got, uh, once he got Twitter and showed that he can be self-deprecating and self-aware, I started to like him, and he kind of became my favorite player or one of my favorite players uh, to root for. Um, so, um, so it, it's just funny how it like how uh, things change. Like once you like, I think that was a big thing with Luongo is that he was always this like robot and then once you realize that oh he's actually kind of like a really funny guy um and then you start to like him and he became one of the most likable guys in the league and um so I I um so I I appreciate him he'll be missed obviously but um it seems like uh it's good that he's gone or like it's it, it seems like he's um it made sense for him to retire i want to say it's good that he's gone That that's yeah. that's not bad yeah
0: uh i don't know if you saw his latest tweet but he was talking about you know how he was going on you know like family adventures and and like he he went on this um i don't know if it was like disneyland or something like that or, or disney world whichever the one yep. is in florida But yeah, he went to like a theme park or something like that and like went on some rides. Like it's really great. And then he he writes this SOS emoji just like said. That's
1: funny. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I freaking love that guy. Um and he has got quite the NHL resume too. Like over a thousand NHL games played for a goalie. That doesn't happen often. Yeah. Uh, Eleven went shy of five hundred for his career.
1: Yeah. Um
0: Potential first ballot Hall of Famer? You yeah, can I argue. was about to
1: ask that. I would. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah, he is a. He is definitely a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure about first ballot, but I think he is definitely going to get in there someday.
0: What's also interesting is that um, it should be noted the Vancouver Canucks and Florida Panthers will both have to pay recapture penalties. Okay. Um, so um, the deal with the Canucks is they'll be penalized three point zero three million against the cap uh, for each of the next three years that, to put it into perspective, that's almost half of Nathan McKinnon's cap hit in Colorado yeah. right now.
1: So, yeah, that's something to think consider about in Vancouver in the future, because they, they have Brock Besser to sign this year, and then they're gonna have to sign Elias Pedersen in a couple years. And
0: um, Bo Horvat too, And Bo yeah. Horvat
1: too, so it's gonna, yeah. It's going to be interesting how they do that. But I mean, at the same time, it's like,
0: you know, if they sign Gardner or Myers too. True, true. So it may have,
1: yeah, that may be a blessing Um, in disguise, in a way.
0: Yeah. Uh, The Panthers, meanwhile, will also be hit with a recapture penalty for the next three years, except it's $1.09 million. So um, three times less than what Vancouver has to deal with. But uh, the reports, they they might be either trading or buying out Reimers. So I guess it just gives them more cap to do whatever. Uh, the, the heck activities. they want with James yeah. Reimer. But um yeah, Luango's a guy that loved playing the game and, and he was and, and he and he wrote a message to his fans and he basically said he, he was he wasn't having fun going to the gym and like it was all about like resting and recovering every single day before and after every game, hours before and after every game, and it just became like a chore and he didn't love the game anymore. And that's when he started getting the science That's just like, okay, maybe it's time to put this thing to rest and hang him up for good. And um, it, it, it's tough for an athlete to say goodbye to something that he's learned to love and appreciate for 20-plus years. Um, but he made quite the living. He made over $90 million uh, playing yep. this game. Uh, or at, at least that's what um, the I contracts contract I think out. he's it's the first. Half
1: of that, he's i think he's the first uh player to uh publicly admit that his contract sucks yeah so yeah there's
0: also that that was thing a thing, very
1: that's something player, that i also have to like admire him for is to like be honest yeah. about it you know it's like yeah it's i kind of I benefited from this contract back when <laughs> they were offloading contracts like this so he, and he um, yeah. wasn't
0: the first to do it, but he won Olympic gold with Team Canada in That's 2010. Tricky, yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, he had a lot of good NHL memories, a, a lot of memorable tweets um, that will probably continue to grow as he has yep. more time on his computer. I think more he was yeah. to with his friends and family, but uh, yeah, uh, quite the career for Roberto Luongo, and uh, I, I think down the line it's going to be one worth celebrating. It's yeah. just a, it's just a shame he didn't win a Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, I mean, not for me, but yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Like the only reason he didn't win a cup is because yeah. you
1: guys won it. Uh, but um, the but no, I I hear you. It is kind of sad. I mean, I feel the same way about Lundqvist. It's like you know he's yeah. had an incredible year career and yet he's probably not going to win a Stanley Cup if he continues on with the Rangers. But it's like, um, yeah, no, I, I feel bad for Luongo not winning the Cup, but at the same time, not really. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I was just looking at his stats here. He had, so he played 1,000 games, and you already talked about how impressive that is for a goalie already. But he had like a 9 19, in his time, he had a nine nineteen save percentage and a GAA of... Uh, 2.52 in his career so that like he, it's not just that he played 19 years a thousand games as a goalie um because usually goalies tend to trail off when they get much older but like just having like pretty decent numbers um in his career like that is is a is a is a pretty heavy feat and i think on that alone um he'll he'll be in the hall of fame um, yeah, yeah. Also,
0: he was a part of that uh, very lopsided trade yep. uh, with the New York Islanders. Uh, Mike Milbury will probably want to forget that.
1: Although I'm looking here, like in in New York, he was 20 years old to start, and he had a he only played 24 games, um, and he had a GAA of a 3.25 and a 904 save percentage when he was 20 years old in New York Islanders. So. It's like, it's one of those things that's a classic hindsight bias, but it's like, you know, who would have predicted that uh Rob, Roberto Luongo would have been what he was when Michael very traded? Yeah, him, and, and
0: that's the interesting thing because on the, the Florida teams before he went to yeah. Vancouver, there were a, a, there were a lot of Florida teams they played for that didn't really have much to compete with, and he gave them a chance to win every single game. So, and, he had the worst luck uh, in his early in his early years in Florida. It was like wasted talent. But
1: there. but like the stats went, were still there though.
0: Vancouver, when yeah. he went to Vancouver, you saw how good of a goalie he was on a winning team.
1: Yeah, and that. But like the the thing with him though, before he went to Vancouver, in Florida, like he still like the his save percentage and his GAA were still there. It's just his win his record wasn't there. So yeah. it, you know, it's kind of like what Robin Leonard is, you know, in a way. Yeah. So exactly what I
0: was gonna say. Yeah.
1: Uh, so it's um, we were just talking about this kind of goalie. So it is an interesting fact there. Um, all right, uh, and then also of note, Brooks Orpik retires. We don't need to go into too much detail on him, yeah. but he,
0: he also played he, a thousand games. Brooks he also Orpik, played a thousand he, games, and unlike Luongo, he he didn't just win a Stanley Cup; he won two.
1: But unlike, but Luongo's more is definitely making it into the Hall of Fame. Brooke yeah, yeah. Brooks so. Warfick will probably
0: have to wait a while if yeah. he's even considered for the Hall so, of
1: So Luongo has that over him. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Hall of Fame, uh, we're going to do this a little bit quicker. Uh, yeah. So the big name uh, that, got, that got inducted is uh, Haley Wickenheiser. Uh, she's probably the greatest uh, women's hockey player of all time. Um, not even a question
0: definitely in Canada I will say that definitely in Canada
1: I, I mean in Canada I don't think you can even make a discussion on anyone else even like an American maybe Cami Granado but yeah I, I feel like Wickenheiser has my vote so uh, she was a login the funny thing about this is that when she was inducted uh, she couldn't get the call because she was taking a medical exam exam because she's nope. studying to become a doctor. So I don't. So it's obviously it's an impressive, but it's also like at the same time it's kind of sad that like she has to. I mean, I guess it's her own interests and stuff. But I wonder if it's like partly has to like if she was making a little bit more money in her career, if she would even need to do that to do that or studying to become a doctor. But anyways, that's an, that's another debate for another time. Uh, congrats to her. Uh, other players that got in. Uh, Sergei Zuboff finally gets in that was a big one for a lot of Dallas Stars fans Um, I remember like every year this year it's like Zuboff got snubbed and he should get in to me it was like he deserves to be in just because he had been like it wouldn't have been a big I was always mixed on that because he doesn't have the numbers to get in but he did get play a lot of games and he was always like just from watching those Stars teams back in the day he was always like he always had the puck in the, um, for whatever reason. So it always, like I could see him being in, but it seems more of watching those stars teams like Yeri Ledinin should be in over Sergei Zubov. Um, speaking of which, Guy Carboneau gets in. Um, that's the strangest one. Um,
0: yeah, he didn't even get. He didn't even get 700 career NHL points.
1: Yeah. So um, I don't know why that is, especially when. Uh, Alfredson is in um, got snubbed here it's like it's a, it seems like a weak year no, no offense to Haley Wickenizer, but other than that it just seems like like you could put in anyone in but like Alfredson should be in over Carboneau um, I don't know much about this Ned Omance guy guy but it seems like um, Alfredson should be in over any of those guys um, so that, that was, that's the only complaint I have about that. Uh, kudos to Jerry York. He's probably the best, not probably, he is the best college coach out there. Um, so it's, it's about time that he got in as a builder and Jim Rutherford gets in as well. Um, kind of makes sense. It's, it's always a little weird when they're like they're still um, they're still an active member of a team in the NHL when they get into the Hall of Fame, but I guess I'm used to it by now. Uh, But yeah, Jim Rutherford gets in as a builder as well.
0: Yeah. So uh, the thing with Guy Carboneau, Bob Gainey spoke very highly of him. So I guess if I wanted to make my argument, uh, I'll take it to him. Um, But um, he he was a guy that was a very solid leader, not known for his offensive talents um, more often than not. But... um, i i I feel like maybe you know carbon would be more suited as a builder just because he didn't have the stats but um you know he he was a part of a couple of stanley cup champions including uh including uh the the last one the canadians won in 93 so the for habs fans that's a good piece of nostalgia uh as for Ned manski he is a guy long before a generation that was a 30 to 40 goal scorer in europe Moved to the NHL after the WHA joined forces with them in seventy-seven seventy-eight. He had over thirty goals in back-to-back years with the Detroit Red Wings and four hundred and twenty-one NHL games. He had two hundred and seventy-eight points. This was one of Czechoslovakia's finest players before Jaromir Jagr was even heard of. So um, I, I guess uh, for them that's uh, quite the historical achievement there. Um, but you, but you're right. Um, a lot of Noteworthy players didn't get in. Daniel Alfredson, Keith Kachuk, Curtis Joseph, Alex McGillney, Pierre Turgeon, Paul Henderson for the one billionth time still didn't get in. So, um, yeah, there there's always going to be a long, lengthy list of snubs that we all can make a case for that uh, should be in there. Yeah. But art, and that just goes to show you sometimes how hard it is to find your spot in the Hall of Fame. It's uh, it, it doesn't always happen for everyone
1: yeah i guess so i mean but I, I i feel like if if any year that alfredson was to get in it would have been this year yeah um, just because it seems like it's a weak year of that but um i guess you have to wait for him to, i mean it can takes uh motivation from sergey zuboff it took forever for him to be in um so i think alfredson will eventually get in but um but not this year mm-hmm. um uh so Jan- Andreas Jansen and Casper Kapanen are re signed. Andreas Janssen is uh, got three point four million um for four years. Kapanen gets three point two million annual average arbitrary for three years. This isn't a bad deal for like two top six guys. Um and it you know, obviously it helps that they're you know they were RFAs, so but like I feel like if they were on an open market they probably would have gotten a little bit more. Um, but, uh, this isn't a bad deal for either one of them. Um, however, of course, when you talk about Toronto nowadays, you have to talk about Mitch Marner, um, and this will affect him in a way because now the, the Maple Leafs have, uh, 5 million left in cap space. That's definitely not enough to sign, uh, Mitch Marner. Um, the big rumor or like speculation is that they're gonna try to trade uh, Nikita Zaitsev. Um, still, that leaves you with five or nine million left to sign uh, Mitch Marner, um, which might not be enough either. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's getting kind of um, interesting with like. So I don't think a team will uh, will offer sheet Mitch Marner, but. Uh, considering, but like just because it, you know, it would cost you so much more like compensation if you were to do that, but at the same time, it's like, um, and it's also it's like he's not like worth 10 million dollars, um, but it's just, it, it, it's getting, I don't know how the Leafs are gonna be able to afford him, um, honestly, without uh, making a big trade.
0: And that brings me much joy is not what's interesting yeah. And I'm glad it's not my team that has to deal with this. Um, I mean,
1: I mean, your your team is in a worse state, but yes, you're you're right. You're the Maple yeah, Leafs not are in, not in. We're but...
0: not in a position to spend money. No
1: <laughs> Well, they have to spend something. They're under the floor at the moment, but yes, yeah. you're right. You're right.
0: Unless as as they don't do something. I'm I mean, I'm just saying,
1: a... like you're, you're 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 in no position to be making fun of the Leafs. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah, true. Well, anyway. technically, I am because I've been my team's been made fun of enough. I deserve to focus on folks. I guess
1: so. Enough. I guess so. I'm just saying that. I, I if I were, if I had to choose between being a Leafs fan or a Sens fan at this moment, I'd rather be a Leafs fan.
0: Well, yeah, at least their team is good. That's what um, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll talk about how good these two players are and how much of a steal they are. Because yeah. the interesting thing that Chris Johnson pointed out, he said, you know, if, if you're thinking about resigning Mitch Marner. You know, maybe Mitch Marner is not the threat to be offered sheet. Maybe it's these two guys because the compensation would be more like around a second round pick. And I'm sure when you look at the stats of Kapanen and Janssen, I'm sure a lot of teams would be willing to give up a second round pick to get these guys. Um, Starting off with uh, both of them are 20 goal scorers. Let's start off with Kapanen here who when, when Nylander had his contract issues early on in the year, one of the guys that was relied on to step up his game was Casterrick Kapanen. This guy spent time with Matthews in the first quarter, spent time with Tavares as well. In his first 20 games, 14 points on the board. Yep. Um, in the later stages of the season, he had six points in his final 17 games. Even still was averaging 16 to 17 minutes a contest. He almost got 100 hits on the year, so he can lower the boom as well. For the average time on ice that he got and the time he could get down the road, getting a guy who scored 20 goals and 44 points at under 3.5 million is not too shabby at all for the least it could actually be a pretty big bargain for a guy who got 174 shots on goal sixth most on the team um a pretty good at controlled entries as well second most amongst toronto forwards in that category too um and when you look at the shots on goal like i said 174 shots on goal kadri had 184 he might be gone Marlow was below him. He's already gone. So this guy is probably going to get a lot more chances to impress next year. So I'm really interested to see what uh, Casper Kapnan does. When you look at uh, Andreas Janssen, he started the year with just three points in his first 15 games, but he played on lines that features bottom six guys like Par Lindholm, Freddie Gauthier, Connor Brown. And his average time on ice per game in the first quarter was just over 11 minutes. After that rough 15-game stretch, in the next 41 games combined, he got 15 goals and 30 points. And he was playing with the likes of Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and John Tavares. In the second and third quarters, his average time on ice was up by two minutes compared to quarter one. And like Kapanen, finished the year with 20 goals, did soar with a much lower ice time average, around three minutes a game less than Kasperi. Still had 43 points in 73 games, 130 shots, a very efficient 20-goal score. So when you look at the potential that these guys have, getting these guys locked up to a combined 6.6 million, cheaper than what the Flyers are paying Kevin Hayes per year. Yeah. This is actually a steal of a deal for Kyle Dubas.
1: Yeah, no, this is a very good deal for both of them, for sure, especially because like, you know, Jansen is going to be a top uh, in the second line, so he's always gonna have, he seemed to work well with Matthews and Tavares. He was pretty good uh, in uh, for the Marlies as well, so this is a pretty steal, good steal for them, especially for Andreas Janssen, because I think he could be paid more uh, than that um, if he was on the market. Um, but um, yeah, 43, especially like 43 points in 73 games in like 13 minutes of average ice time, uh, yeah. that's like incredible. And also that's I didn't I didn't realize this at the time, but Cal uh Andreas was eighth in votes for the Calder um this oh. year. So uh so they so on, on that front too, it's like people kind of respect how he how he's doing, but yeah, it's, this seems like a steal when you can get the, both these guys who can play on the top 6 uh line and you get them for 3 million. That's like uh, that's uh, crazy. That I'm envious of Toronto. Of it's like yeah, you're getting they, they
0: also have a lot of skill and they can really thrive on
1: speed too. Toronto's yeah.
0: very good at playing a very fast game.
1: Exactly. So they may be in cap uh, cap hell right now, but at the same time, they're going to uh, do that. Um, so uh, I guess we kind of have to talk about Marner, though. Um, like, how are you? Uh, um, I don't know, what do you think is going to happen with Mitch this Mitch Marner situation? Uh,
0: uh, <laughs> I don't think Mitch Marner is getting off or sheeted just because I don't think any team, even the Colorado Avalanche, should be willing to part with four first round picks. Yep. So I don't think Mitch Marner is getting off or sheeted. Um, the fact that Kapanen and Johnson are under contract makes it even tougher, um, you know, to offer sheet those guys. Um, it's actually impossible now because they're under contract with the Leafs. Um, so that play is gone. So uh, I, think it's in that, I think the only question is how much money he's going to get and how much term he's going to sign for. I, it'd be interesting if Mitch Marner takes a bridge deal, just buys like two or three years and just sees what the market is. Maybe he signs with the five years that Matthews does, so that when he's near his prime, then he can really get what he wants. I don't know if he's gonna get what he wants right away, though. Um, I think I think one side is gonna break. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna be Dubas, I don't know if it's gonna be Darren Ferris and Mitch Marner's agent, but the, the, whatever you hear um, outside of uh, the media, yeah, it is what it is, but uh, Kyle Dubas is maintaining that everything they're doing is trying to save space for Mitch Marner to be on this team. He said, he maintains that the talks with Mitch and his agent, Darren Ferris, have been positive, which is good. Um, so as far as we know, it's not like things are getting ugly. They're just trying to find some common ground, and it's not easy to find common ground. But now that Kyle Dubas knows what to work with, knows that probably... Zaitsev wants a fresh start probably knows that he's going to have to trade Nazem Kadri to make this work They're getting closer and closer to finding enough room for Mitch Marner And I think what the Kapan and Janssen contract extensions do Is it gives Kyle Dubas one less thing to worry about. He knows they're there for the next three years at least
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this the, these two signings does make it more difficult to sign Mitch Marner I guess they will. I guess this means that they're more likely to trade Zaitsev, or there is a trade on the way um, for Zaitsev to get on, so that can clear some cap. But still, it's a it's a little bit tight to sign Marner for what he wants um, and all that stuff. So, um, the interesting thing about this is, I think Dubas has mentioned that like if a team offers sheets, Mitch Marner. Um, they're not necessarily going to match it, which is kind of unheard of because that's always been the thing with, um, with like why offer sheets haven't been a thing, not just because of this compensation stuff, but because of like the fact that it would have been 10, um, you would have had, you know, like if you were to offer sheet a team, first off the player has to sign it. And secondly, that team could just easily match it Um, but like this time it seems like Dubas is playing hardball with the Marner camp and that's the only reason why I feel like a team may be tempted to do this Um, if there is a situation for a player to be offer sheeted I feel like Marner is going to think but I think I agree with you that I don't think it's going to happen um,
0: yeah, because yeah. I think he's also playing hardball with the other teams when he says yeah. that, because he's just saying, okay, you you really feel confident? You really yeah. feel confident in your offer sheet? Give me four first-round picks. Yeah. I won't match it. You put that offer sheet out there, he's all yours. Right. So if they really think he's worth four first-round picks, okay, make the offer. Let's yeah. see what you got.
1: I will say, though, that the only team that I could see... Pulling this off and maybe in decent shape if they were to give up four first-round picks, um, and they could do this uh, would be the New Jersey Devils. Um, they, you know, they have Jack Hughes, they have Heisher, so they have a lot of young prospects. Ty Smith as well, um, and then they have Hall, Subban. Um, I mean, I guess they, Blackwood maybe. Like, they would be de- in decent shape to be giving up first-round first, first round picks. And they have enough money to do it. But um, mm-hmm. but I think that would be the only team that would be willing, that could pull that off and be okay afterwards doing that. But, I don't know, that's just me. Um, yeah. And, I'll, of course, Taylor Hall and Subban, I forgot to mention that as well. Yeah, um, that,
0: you know what, that's, that's actually... Pretty interesting. They have Hughes, they have Heisher, they yep. have Butcher, they have Subban, they have Hall, and now Marner. Yeah, that's low key pretty good.
1: Yeah, and they could pull it off. Like I would, I would probably do that if I was in New Jersey, because you know you don't yep. know how long Hall is going to be there for. I mean, ten million is a lot for Mitch Marner, but it's not like too bad considering that you have Heisher and uh, Hughes on like some contracts for our face. And you don't have to worry about like, like Dubas offer offering those guys until a couple of years from now. And you know, Hall may not even be on the team anymore. So you may be yeah, able to I, match I've
0: been feeling with the podcast jinx. I, I just feel like the second we put out the podcast we're gonna yeah. get a note, Mitch Murner extends with the leaps.
1: Right, 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 something like that. That would be This will
0: all be just meaningless yeah. five minute chatter.
1: OK, well, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that kind of happened to us the, uh, this week, too, because we had a loaded show already. Um, but then all these trades started to happen. And then we're like, oh, we should probably include this. We should probably include yeah, this. Yeah, It
0: was probably, so, honestly, this podcast one of the most tactic I had to prepare for, because the info just kept on coming so, in waves.
1: So we're, we're still not done. We have uh, a couple more trades to get to. That's uh, fine. We got time. Yeah. Somewhat, yeah. We're in, out. We have, we're ninety minutes in. Um, yeah. The Canes and the Hawks made a trade. Um, it seems like it's like an annual thing because they always make trades with each other. Uh, Calvin DeHaan and uh, I'm blanking on his first name, but Sorello. Alex, uh,
0: his his name is Alexis Sorella.
1: Sorella. I, think I was... believe,
0: I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that Canes got him when they traded Eric Stahl to the Rangers. That's
1: right. Yeah, I I re- that sounds familiar. Um, and, and then uh, so they go to the Her- uh the Blackhawks for uh, Anton Forsberg and Gustav Forsling. Um, this is an interesting deal for both of them. Um, for the Hawks side, it's you know they get another defenseman while they wait for. Bogfist, Yokiharu, and Bowdoin, um, you know, to develop in the AHL or whatever whatever league they're in. Um, and, you know, he's a good, like, two-way defenseman. Um, he's more defensive-minded than offensive-minded, but that's something that you need for, uh, for a young team like that. Um, and he's good, too. Um, and then you get, like, a good young prospect in Sorella um, I think he was actually he was also a big part of the uh, Charlotte Checkers uh, prospect pool, so that could yeah, be interesting. Yeah, he was. He,
0: he had a thirty goal season, yeah. and then followed that up with fifteen points and seventeen playoff
1: games. Wow, that's that's pretty good. Um, and then um, and then you have Anton Forsberg uh, going to the Hurricanes. He's more we're we're still not entirely sure of what he could be. Um, he. He played in the NHL when Crawford was injured a lot. I feel like it's it's kind of dangerous to throw a young goaltender like that. Um, expect him to be uh, the starter right away. Um, I mean, other than like Matt Murray and Carter Hart, I feel like those are the only two exceptions. Um, but like, so he may just be an AHL goaltender, but. I don't know. He could be something uh, for the Hurricanes um, so that it just showed that they're willing to um, – this could be an interesting la- matchup for them in, in goal um, for the future because they're not going to have McElhaney. They're not going to have Mrazik, um, So they they might need to lean on and be creative with it. And they may not get Robin Leonard or Bobrovsky. So they have to get creative with – who they're gonna put up in goal um, and then also Gustav Forsling is another interesting defenseman but you know the Canes are you know have such a deep defensive core that they can afford to make this downgrade um, in defenseman. and Forsling could be something too but um, you know I'd rather have Don but Forsling's not bad either
0: yeah so uh, we'll. The Hawks part of this trade is very interesting. I'll get to the Hurricanes part first because it's pretty sure. short and sweet. Um, apparently, uh, Brett, you were talking to me uh, about this trade and how it came as a shock to Calvin DeHaan oh, yeah. when it actually happened.
1: That's yeah, yeah. He uh, he is saying that like his wife or uh, his fiance, I think, uh, was like um, they had a they were setting up a home in Raleigh and they were they were sh- and they were like. Uh, and Chicago didn't even express interest when he was a free agent last year, so he was kind of surprised that Chicago were was interested in that much to make this kind of trade. So he was he was and he and he liked it in Carolina too. So he was kind of just sad to for that to happen.
0: Yeah, that that also tells me that Tom Dundon isn't afraid to shake things up and make yep. some
1: bold moves
0: because Calvin was just signed to a four year deal last off season. Uh, with under a $4.55 million cap, it. So he's getting a, a significant amount of money. Uh, and the Hurricanes still have plenty of cash space to work with, plenty of it before this deal even happened. They save a, a couple of million bucks with this transaction, too. Uh, And they haven't bought out Scott Darling yet, but uh, word is that they would consider buying out the final two years of his deal. With Forsberg in play, that could be more inevitable now than ever before, especially when you consider they re-signed Nedeljkovic for a year. Um, So I think the Hurricanes are playing to have um, a lot of cap space to make some big moves in the offseason. season it's more than just signing Sebastian Ajo, I think they're really up to something. Um, maybe it's enough to keep Justin Williams in the fold too, um, but they're not selling for last year's results. They're, they all know this team is going to have to improve, not just stay the same, and this is just the start of that. So now we get to the Chicago Blackhawks, because this is pretty interesting here. Um, Calvin DeHaan averaged 6.9 block passes per game under Rob Brindamore in Carolina. That was enough to put him in the NHL's top 25 defensemen. He also had 187 hits, second on the Hurricanes. He had over 100 block shots as well, fourth on Carolina's roster. A few years ago at the Islanders, he had 190 block shots, um, and he didn't even average 19 minutes per contest with Carolina. Not even the fourth highest average amongst Hurricanes defensemen. So, if a player that's outside the top four finished second in hits and fourth in block shots on the team that that tells you something that that carolina's got a pretty good defense but when you kind of look at where chicago is defensively they were dead last on the penalty kill last year 72.7 percent success rate absolutely terrible yep Um, the hurricanes for whatever reason were in the top 10 with the defense that they had um so it's going to be interesting how by going to a pretty good defensive core in carolina that's balanced you go to a very questionable chicago Blackhawks defensive core that wasn't really good at penalty killing you wonder how his numbers are going to fare next year he's also out for another two to four months because he's recovering from surgery um so we're not so sure how effective he's going to be on that regard so that'll be interesting to watch yeah. out for we, we continue with the Hawks on defense. They have Keith, they have Seabrook, Gustafson, Mata, and DeHaan, Bielkvist in the system as well. You look at their situation in a year from now. Dylan Strom and Alex DeBrinket are going to be RFAs at the exact same time. Eric Gustafson had a 60-point season, making only 1.2 million with his current cap hit. Going to become a free agent. Next year. July of 2020, yeah and if he has another big year that could be a pretty pricey signing oh and on top of that guess who else is a ufa next july Corey crawford right which if he's healthy you know could command a lot of money so it, it's going to be interesting how the hawks tweak around their defense if they're done tweaking around their defense um they have connor murphy for the next three years this cap is over three million uh mata and dahan both make over 4 million per year on their current roster the Hawks are trying to get better but I don't know if they're succeeding and that's why going back to the idea of signing Anders Lee with the idea of them maybe going back into cap hell, do they really want to spend six or seven million on that guy I don't really know
1: yeah I don't think they do um, especially since they have Brandon Saad Making six million already on that team, yeah, and and an
0: Isimov, too, and
1: an Isimov, although that's a uh, four million, yeah, but um, yeah, so still still uh, not. I think the bigger thing, I mean, you could argue that the Blackhawks are still in cap hell because uh, Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith are on no movement clauses and they're both making over five million dollars. And six million for Brent Seabrook, so, um, so it's 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 a little. They're always gonna be in um, cap trouble with uh, Seabrook, with that Seabrook contract and Duncan Key contract, and of course uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze contract. But you can make a case for both Kane and Taze to be paid that much. You can't really make a case for Duncan Keith or Seabrook to be that sure. much. Yeah,
0: so but still, ten point five is ten point five million, and paying two guys ten point five million—that number on your cap. But at
1: the same time, Patrick Kane's probably like the best winger oh, yeah, in the league, sure. so yeah. he's worth that much. John, Jonathan Tays—he could mm-hmm. make a case. Maybe he's not worth ten point five, but he's still like a big part of that Blackhawks team. Oh yeah. So for sure. um, yeah, so it would just be weird if he wasn't on the team so I think yeah. 10.5 is a little bit much but it's also you know it makes sense for him um, but I think the bigger thing that's going to happen is next year you just mentioned that Corey Crawford is going to be a UFA but next year Dylan Strome and Brinkat are both going to be RFAs so that's going to be something that uh, they're and gonna a, have to look at. It's coming off a forty goal a year. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned something about Calvin DeHaan that I didn't realize that he he's he's a lot better than I thought he was. Um, yes. He has a lot. Yeah, I mean, of course he doesn't put up the points, but he, you know he may not need to be relied on that. But like he has a he had one hundred and two shots on goal, one hundred and eighty seven hits, one hundred and six blocks. That's like pretty good for a defenseman. Um, Shut down defenseman like that, so that's something yeah, that's that, going to that,
0: help. That didn't even play top yep. four minutes; he was True. just under
1: that. Um, and so that's going to help uh, their team a lot in the, in that regard. And and when you add a guy like Olimata, um, who, when healthy, can also put up similar numbers to Calvin DeHaan, Um then you're you know you're in good shape for on the defensive side of things. Um, in the, in that regard. So uh, yeah, they're kind of in good shape. It is interesting too because I know that they have Yokiharu, Haru, uh, Bogfist, and Boden still in the system. So maybe that's another thing is is that they get Dahan so the, that they can let the those other prospect defensemen um, develop in, yeah, in another capacity. Yeah, that's also a good point too. So I think that's another reason why they made this trade and um, get someone like Dahan in the lineup. Mm-hmm um Carl Soderberg goes to Arizona for Kevin Conaden in a twenty twenty third. um this is a, I mean Carl Soderberg was like the fourth best forward in Colorado which is insane much because he had like only 40 points or something like that but um yeah Arizona this is kind of interesting for Arizona I like this for Arizona because Soderberg's not bad either um but he could be a he could be a good fit for Arizona I feel like. Um, just because he's you know, they have, um, they kind of need more uh, defensive s- side of stuff, and I don't know, he kind of fits well with that style of play.
0: Yeah. So, so taking a look at uh, Arizona and what they're getting in Carl Serberg, he's got a year left at four million. Um, he's a decent two-way forward and secondary scorer. Um, when you take a look at what he play, what he had to play with in in the past two years with Colorado. He was playing with guys like Matt Nieto, Matt Calvert, Blake Como um, a couple of years ago, Colin Wilson, Derek Broussard. So basically, time on the bottom six is what I'm saying. Still posted a career-high 23 goals, two points shy of tying his career-high 51 points set back in 2015-16. He had 49 this year, 188 shots on goal, a new high for him. 18 points in 20 games in the third quarter of last year averaged just over 17 minutes per game averaged over 19 minutes in the fourth quarter even though he only got eight points in 20 games that was still the highest time on ice average amongst the four quarters he played last year and then you look at how valuable is on both sides of the ice because he logged the force he logged uh sorry the fourth most shorthanded minutes in 2015-16 on colorado 27 18 on colorado and this past year he was also on the ice for over 200 minutes when his team was down in May or two this year which uh, was one of his highest um that he that he logged in a season he also had 99 hits and 67 blocked shots um he's pretty good at shooting from the inner slot top 30 amongst daniel forwards in that regard Um, Top 30 also in block passes. He had 386 of those this year. Um, Definitely not a first-line guy, but I don't think he should have to be. He's one of those two-way guys you can slot on the face-off dot that can kill penalties, provide secondary scoring. The Coyotes need that. They need depth scores. They need two-way guys. Um, For Colorado, they get a left-handed shot in Kevin Connaughton. He's got a year left of $1.5 Not really a guy that can chip in offensively he does he did have 75 block shots and over 100 hits so he can provide a bit of grit they can use they no doubt saved money on this deal um maybe it paves the way for tyson berry even though tyson berry has uh, shoots the opposite way maybe um by getting a defensive body in Connaughton um this somehow leads to a tyson berry trade um but Again, it's just an unexpected cap dump because Colorado to this point had close to forty million in cap space to work with. After after this deal, I believe, when it was all said and done, I think it was like thirty eight point nine million dollars in cap space they had to work with. So I'm just thinking, why are they getting rid of Carl Soderbergh unless maybe they think, you know, they're not gonna re sign the guy in, in the offseason, which, you know, I, I guess, but That third round pick in 2020, they quickly traded away. So they basically got Sudeberg for Connaughton in a one for one. So I think it just speaks to the bigger plan that Joe Sackick has, and I'm interested to see what it turns into.
1: Yeah, uh, it should be an interesting move for them. Um, And speaking of Joe Sackick, he goes, uh, they get uh, Andre Burakovsky um, Mm -hmm. uh, like a couple of hours later um and uh the he didn't even have to give up that much um to get him um it was a 20 uh Scott Kosmachuk, a twenty twenty second and a twenty twenty third. um Andre Barkovski is an interesting thing because I thought you know a couple of years ago that he would be a, a good like depth role piece for the Washington capitals but um but it never seemed to like be into get into pr- fruition this year. He had 25 points in 76 games, um, but he had like an average ice time, of let me look here quickly, uh, of 11 minutes. So, yeah. um, so like
0: and he, and his, his ice time went from 13.50 in 2017 yeah. to just 11.08 this year, so it went down by a significant amount.
1: Right, so it's like, uh, so I think this is like a kind of like, I feel like this is going to be an interesting move for them because the, um, you know, Avalanche desperately need uh, wingers and centers because uh, all they have is the top line of, Ranton and mckinnon and Landeskog and that's kind of been keeping them afloat um for the past couple of years um and so if you can get like burakovsky going uh somehow i think this could be like a a good fit for them in, in colorado um yeah so I, like it seems like the equivalent to like Soderberg is a good move for arizona and i feel like that's a good fit but like it's also like a good fit for colorado um uh, is um in Colorado i can't speak for some reason <laughs> but um but yeah so i i like this deal more he has a lot of potential still he's only like 24 years old so yep. it's not like he he's that old um and he, like i guess there is still like you you would like to say that like i don't know when do players usually peak i guess um i guess when they're like 25 or 26 but um so he still has some room left uh to get going and and show his full potential um and he'll be able to do that in in avalanche in the, in Colorado cuz he's he's already probably one of the better forwards on the team.
0: Yeah, I I don't think it would have worked out for Bierkowski in Washington yep. um just based on how they were utilizing him. He had 17 goals and 38 points in 2015-16. Hasn't been able to surpass those totals in the three years following. Um, exactly 12 goals for three straight seasons. Like I said, his ice time went down significantly last year. Um, but I, but you're right. I think Colorado can do something with Burakovsky. The guy averaged actually 9.68 controlled exits per 20 minutes last year amongst NHL forwards. That was ninth which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah. I also had 6.48 controlled entries for 20 minutes. That was enough to put him in the league's top 15 forwards. So like you said, the potential is definitely there. He's an RFA, so obviously they need to sign him first before deciding how to utilize him. Yeah. But they have the rights, so we'll see where it goes. Um, As for the Caps, they get a 20 a twenty twenty third. that Colorado got in the Carl Soderbergh trades. So that pick that I mentioned that got traded away that's where it went it went to washington in this trade and the rights to scott kosmichuk who is pretty much an ahl or until further notice um i think in the grand scheme of things you look at burakovsky he's a left winger you look at marcus johansson unrestricted free agent also a left winger also played on washington before word is they might try and get him on their team if moving burakovsky makes room for marcus johansson um then I think maybe the Capitals win this trade in the long run. I guess it depends on what they end up doing with that vacant left-wing spot that Burakovsky leaves behind. So uh, it'll be interesting to see um, how that trade uh, pans out for both sides. I, I definitely think there's potential for Burakovsky. Um, I also think um, there's potential uh, for for the Capitals without Burakovsky even still. Um, there they also there are a couple of things to keep in mind um they would have to re-sign burakovsky they have to re-sign jacob Varana, who is coming off a 24-goal season he's a he's an rfa um, and he plays the same position as burakovsky left wing a depth guy like Connolly is coming off a career i 22 goals and 46 points he can sign anywhere in july 1st so if they wanted to keep Varana and Connolly in the picture Uh, I don't know if they could keep Burekowski in the fold and try their team better by getting another piece So I think Burekowski ended up being the sacrificial lamb for that reason, too
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, that's that's probably it. Um, That makes sense. Uh, I don't know these these two players seem to be kind of minor, but um, but it was a trade that somewhat you always hear this these guys names every now and then but Uh, Ryan Hartman uh, was traded to the Dallas Stars and Tyler Pitlick goes uh, to Philadelphia and then uh, Ryan Hartman gets uh, does not get a qualifying offer because he was an RFA Um, and then um, and Tyler Pitlick's only making a million dollars but um, so Tyler Pitlick had 12 points in 47 games He's more of a fourth liner, um, and Ryan yeah. Hartman is he's he's decent. Um, I remember his time in Chicago; he was, he had like thirty-one points in Chicago, um, but now yeah, he's.
0: I think he was. I think he had like seven points in his first six games one yeah. season. Like he, he got off to a fast start. I think it was 2017-18 yeah. with the Blackhawks when it looked like they were good early on, and then they yeah. just fell
1: off, of, off afterwards. And uh, and then he goes to Nashville. He's he does little bit bad on that team, but not great. Um, and then he gets, uh, he has six points in 19 games for Philadelphia, um, which isn't, um, which isn't terrible either. Um, in, in 12 minutes of average ice time. So that's, mm-hmm. um, so he's like a, he could be a good, uh, so now that he can go anywhere, he, uh, he, he could be an interesting piece somewhere because he could be signed for cheap. I kind of now that I'm looking at his stats, I I wouldn't mind if the Bruins sign him. Um, he could be an interesting piece for them.
0: I think he would be a perfect fit on the Boston Bruins because Ryan Hartman is one of those instigators, yep. too, that could really get under your skin. Um, so I- imagine having him and Marshante teaming it out there. That would, that would be That'd very, be nice, very
1: um... interesting. Um, so yeah, that, that could be an interesting fit. Maybe Washington would uh, take a yep. chance on him, too, like a low yeah, that they got to, rid of uh, Burakovsky. Can't really
0: afford to make a big splash, but you know, add, you know, take their chance on a guy that uh, that could, um, you know, provide a bit of peskiness, provide a bit of goal scoring. Maybe the Oilers take a chance on him too, because God knows they need elbow on the wings. So
1: true. Um, I I'm noticing here. I mentioned it before. New Jersey is another team that could use a right winger. Um, yep. So they could be, uh, you know, for cheap. Um, even if they don't, I mean, they have enough cap room for more stuff. But they could, um, they could sign. It would be an interesting move for the Devils, as well as Colorado, I, I just, of course. I just
0: remembered uh, something unfortunate. Uh, uh, I guess uh, depending on which team you cheer for, it's it's funny. Um, I just remembered that Nashville gave up a first-round pick for Ryan Hartman. And he goes to Dallas for a fourth liner and doesn't even get qualified.
1: Yeah. That's that's a good point. Yeah, that's funny. Um, all right, we should go to um, – I guess we have – so we were originally going to plan this. Like, we are going to talk about the free agents that were going to be available. And then we were going to mention William Carlson's contract and Luongo retiring. And then we were going to focus purely on uh, these three guys for speculation. But – um, but then all these trades happen, so we're pushing it down to the end here. But the big ones are, uh, that are guys that are like rumored to be traded um, or reportedly are unhappy with their team situation or vice versa. Uh, Jesse um has reported that he um, he wants out of Edmonton, kind of wants a fresh start. Kind of similar, I, I, he didn't say this, but I would imagine it's very similar to what Dylan Strom was able to do in Chicago when he was traded, um, you know, cause he, he, the potential's there. The thing that's interesting about Puglia um, that people aren't really talking about a ton is that he just had hip surgery on both hips. So if he were to yeah. be traded, it's like he may not be the same person you're expecting him to be that fourth overall pick in 2016 so that's something that you have to consider is that he may actually not be um, what you expect him to be um, like he was in Finland Um, but um, I'm all for if they can trade him and and get some pieces there I think that could be interesting if he goes to uh, goes somewhere
0: yeah, for Jesse Pugliarvi, it's pretty interesting. He also said, you know, if if the Oilers end up keeping him, he'd rather go play in Europe. And I think he's going to sign in Europe, and okay. the Oilers are going to keep tabs on him. Because I think if I'm Edmonton, I keep Jesse Pugliarvi in the mix if I can. And watch what Raphael Lavoie does first. Like I mentioned last week, yep. Lavois and Paul party height and weight kind of look similar and there's a lot of hard-nosed yet skilled qualities that edmonton could use out of Raphael lavois so if they like what they see in lavois they could always trade away jesse puliarvi later but i think they'd be wise to be patient with puliarvi's camp and just let jesse do what he wants the RP. he's not getting a good shot to make an impact with this team right now he needs confidence and playing in the nhl i don't think is enough at this point i think think he needs a reset, a bit of a fresh mindset, and if he doesn't play in Europe, they better trade him elsewhere. For him to have a future with this team, going home to Europe is the best thing for him.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess he, he still has a market there, because he's, you know, he was still a top overall pick um, in his draft year, So, uh, I, and pretty recently too, so he always has that potential. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. It, it makes sense for Edmonton to hold on to him and be patient because you don't want to be like the Arizona Coyotes with Dylan Strome and trade him and you realize like, oh, he's actually pretty good if you give him a chance. Yeah. So, um, so there's that um, as well. Uh, the other two players that we should talk about that almost got traded for each other, uh, Jason Zucker and Phil Kessel. I think the trade was, well, Kessel uh, nixed the trade, but it was like Kessel and Jack Johnson for Zucker and um, I'm blanking on the other guy who was, oh, uh, um, Victor Rask. Um, But uh, Kessel uh, nixed that trade because he he didn't want to go to Minnesota. He doesn't think that that's a playoff um, team, which is interesting because they're, they aren't, um, but uh, Kessel wants to be in the playoffs, which, which makes sense. Um, and then um, that trade never made sense for either team anyways. Um, and, then, um, and then Kessel reportedly turned down another trade that was gonna happen in the draft. Um, it was unclear about what that trade was going to be or which team that was going to be, but he also turned down another trade. Um, so it seems like uh, Jim Rutherford wants to get rid of Kessel for whatever reason. Um, I guess just for a change, like a, a new change of scenery. But, you know, honestly, if I were the Penguins, I just want to keep Phil Kessel um, on my team. He's like your third best player. He had more than a point per game. Um, it doesn't really make sense to me to, to trade him. I mean, I guess I can understand that you, you, your team could be better and... Phil Kessel doesn't play as good defense as he should be, but at the same time, it's you know, it doesn't really make sense to treat him um, that much. But, I don't know, maybe there's more behind the scenes than we're led to believe.
0: Yeah, that's it, it funny you should mention it, because apparently um, one of the writers at The Athletic dropped this interesting bomb. Chill about the kessel situation in pittsburgh and how the overall team is meshing together and uh before that we also heard uh that he needs to deal to the wild possibly because we don't know what the heck the minnesota wild are or if they're a legit team anymore that can contend um there are rumblings like you said he makes another deal the bottom line is crosby and malkin aren't going anywhere Yep. Jake Denzel, who has chemistry on the big boy line, got extended in the later stages of 2018. So the most obvious name to trade that would get the most return for the Penguins is Phil Kessel. And at some point, this will come to a halt and he will get moved. I'm almost certain of that. At the same time, there's still a bit of time to mend things. There's still time to wait things out. Maybe things will be solved. Just giving everyone time and giving everyone a bit of space to work it out. But if it's still an issue by the end of next year, it's all but inevitable he's getting traded. And I yeah. think at that point, the return for Kessel might go down because this info is out there and GMs around the league will know that Phil is heading out the door, which is why I also think it could happen this offseason. And because of his no trade, which allows Kessel to reject trades to all but 18s, that limits your options. And. I think it's too early to tell other than the teams that made those trade offers to Jim Rutherford. I think the pens are wise to play the waiting game for another month or so, because I think the worst thing that the Penguins can do is trade Phil Kessel in the middle of free agency. If there's a team out there that wants to make a splash on July 1st and beyond, and it's in the free agent market and they failed, that is a team that will want to gain offense via trade and Phil Kessel services will be sought after the most. So play the waiting game for another month or two, and then I think you will see the trade talks pick up again. And I think, I, my prediction is Kessel's on another team before training camp starts.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I could see, I think, I guess, looking at the cap situation, I guess it does make sense to move him. It's just, it seems a little odd to like, trade one of the better, like, your third best player um, to, uh, ju- for for other reasons than that, but. There,
0: there's no know. better time to trade your third best player, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Bill Kessel is a natural talent, but if you wait too long and the return goes down, you're gonna wish you'd traded him sooner.
1: Yeah, I guess so. And I, 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 maybe there is something there. There has to be because of how like vibrant this trade rumor has sprung. That there has to be more to this that we're led to believe, and we'll probably eventually find out what happened. But um, so I don't like I don't know if necessarily he's going to be traded right now, um, in the off season. But I, I think you're right. I could see him being traded maybe, like, in September or October or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, maybe some, some deal gets done where it's like, it's just like, it's not working out or something like that. Um, all right. Uh, that's it for us. It's a long episode. We're just over two hours. So that's, that's kind of good. Um, no Bruin send segment for obvious reasons. Um, our, so lace them up. You can catch, catch us on Twitter, lace up podcast. Our Facebook is lace them up. Um, you're listening to this on SoundCloud which is Lace Them Up or um, iTunes or Spotify please subscribe and listen to us there Um, yeah that's about it Um, happy fourth everyone Uh, that's next week Um, but I don't think we'll have an episode until then so happy fourth of July everyone Um, I'm Brett Dubuff.
0: I'm Steve Ellsworth, a big happy Canada Day to all of you uh, listening on July 1st. And uh, we'll talk again with a lot more free agency signings in episode 179 of the Lace em Up podcast.